Hello and welcome to the Mindset and Self Mastery Show. I'm your host, Nick McGowan, and on this show, my guests and I unpack the stories that shape us and the lives that we lead on our path to self-mastery. So let's not wait any longer. Let the games begin. Hey, Sylvester, welcome to the show, man. How are you doing? Hey, Nick, how you doing, man? I greatly appreciate you having me on the show. I'm doing phenomenal, by the way. What about yourself? Man, I'm doing great. Now, we were both kind of chuckling about some of the chaos and the noise behind us. Uh, I'd asked you to grab some headphones because with your microphone, I was like, oh, my God, what, is, what the hell is happening in your house right now? And it's a crazy storm that's going on outside. So down south, you're in Tennessee and I'm in Florida. We get these crazy storms, and we were just talking about how right around 4 o'clock, 3 o'clock at sometimes, it's like the apocalypse for 15 minutes. So hopefully none of this stuff cuts out, but it's interesting how we can have craziness in the middle of the day. Now, I know I'm getting a little ahead of my help, myself here, so why don't we pull this back a little bit? Why don't you tell us what you do for a living and one thing that most people don't know about you that's maybe a little odd or bizarre? Absolutely. So first off, my name is Sylvester Jenkins III. I'm a professional speaker, mental health advocate, and an Army uh, veteran. Uh, what I do is I help uh, the next generation to rise above obstacles and to unlock their inner warrior by turning success into success and their obstacles into opportunity by winning the battle within. Um, one thing that people do not know about me, and you might find this kind of funny, but uh, I know the whole soundtrack to Frozen 1 and 2. So I, I'm assuming here you have children. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Because <laughs> the next question would have been wildly different if you're like, no, no kids. I'm just a big fan of Frozen. Uh, so does, does that ever come up at any point where you just find yourself singing the song or is it just, you know, with, with your kids? Mainly the song Let It Go because sometimes it's beneficial for everyday life because sometimes you just need to let go. <laughs> yeah, I mean that... Yo, I'm going to be a little honest and vulnerable here. I don't have any kids. I, I've i seen bits and pieces of that movie. Never like sat down and was like, I'm going to watch this thing. But that song, like everybody's heard of that song. And that is one of those songs that just gets stuck in your head. And it's it's kind of easy to just think about it when somebody's bitching about something. You're like, let it go. Let it go. <laughs> you're like, just stop. Let it go. Uh, so that is kind of an interesting thing. But I'm sure there are a lot of men that have kids that know those sort of soundtracks and probably know them back and forth. Now, do you like change out the words with your kids and maybe even in your own head, just changing the stuff out? <laughs> no, not really. I try to keep it PG-13 at all times, man. So uh, I never try to go outside. Uh, at least there's a 13 in there. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. As your kids get a little older, maybe they reach into the NC-17 version of those songs. They'll, they'll probably tell you at that point. But that's a different story. So you'd mentioned that you've, you were in the, um, in the Army for quite some time, and now you're helping people. So, look, uh, just to jump from one to the next, we got to get some context to that. So why don't you take a little bit of a step back and tell us about how you were raised and ultimately how you got to where you're at now. Absolutely. So... I come from humble beginnings, man. I got to be honest with you. Uh, I grew up in a single parent home, gang of drug infested neighborhood. Uh, my mom worked tooth and nail at a, uh, at Bibb City Mill, which was one of the largest uh, mills in, in Columbus, Georgia, which is where I'm originally from. Um, 
we slept in the car. She couldn't find childcare for us, man. So we went through the motions. This was in the 80s now. So hear me out. This was in the 80s before cell phones, before tablets, before all these gadgets that you see out nowadays. So you can just imagine how creative we got while we was out there in the parking lot waiting for my mom to get off work for those 12 hours that she worked every shift. And um, we'll, we'll leave from there and go to the school and everything else. But during the time of me going to school, man, um, at a younger age, I was a, a latchkey kid. I don't know if you know what a latchkey kid is, but uh, some people might not. But those kids that came home unsupervised for a period of time until all by themselves. And I was one of those kids. And um, it was easy for me to get involved with gangs and drugs. And uh, I even for a moment of time as a teenager, I was an expiring drug dealer. I was a gang member and occasional thief. Uh, I was so um, I think I was so vulnerable when it came down to that type of lifestyle that it became my surrogate family. And in the process of living that lifestyle, I failed multiple times in school. I failed the fourth grade. I failed the sixth grade. I failed the eighth grade. I failed the 10th grade and I failed the 12th grade. I was on the verge of being a high school dropout. The only thing that kept me sustained when it came to school was my mother. And it was only because she was a high school dropout because she got pregnant at the age of 16 with my older brother. That was the only thing, and she was big on education. So I didn't want to let her down in that area because I knew the sacrifices that she made in order to get me to the point that I was in. Uh, one thing that did stick out to me, though, was my senior year in English class, I was taking the test. This was the final test on whether or not I would graduate on time. And my English teacher was calling everybody out into the hallway to give them their grades. And when she called out my name and me and her were standing out there, and I look her in the eyes, she looked me in my eyes, and she told me, she was like, uh, Sylvester, I hate to break the bad news to you, but you failed the test. I don't think you had what it takes to go to college, and I don't fear that you're college material. So I was devastated right there because now I'm feeling like I'm dumber than a box of rocks, like I'm not worthy enough to go to college. So, you know, I always tell people your words create worlds because what you feed your brain just as important as what you feed your body. And when I thought about that, as far as what she told me, this is a teacher. This is somebody who's supposed to propel me to the next level, who's supposed to encourage me to do better than what I was doing. And for her to say that to me, it just devastated. It, it, it truly broke my heart. Uh, so for me, thinking that I was too dumb for college, I chose to join the military instead. Now, that became a, a, a challenge for me as well, because, you know, you got to take this uh, the ASVAB, which is the test that you take to uh, going to, into any branch. So I failed the ASVAB when it came for the Navy. And uh, I failed the ASVAB again for when it came to the Air Force. The Marines didn't even give me a shot. But the Army, that was an Army recruiter that said, hey, I can get you into the Army. I promise you I can get you in. And, you know, I was like, yeah, whatever. I'll try whatever it, whatever it takes. Okay, I'm, I just want to get out of here. So I went to him, did the ASVAB. Sure, sure as day, he was able to get me in. So I was like overjoyed, man, because I was able to like really get out of poverty, find my purpose and then try to provide my mother with a better way of life because she was working for minimum wage, man, for 12 hours every day just to provide for me and my siblings, man. So it was kind of like I got to do whatever I can just to be able to 
And, you know, the military, man, like um, it has good benefits, but the pay is just not all that. But I was a single man, so it didn't matter, you know. So I was able to, like, give her money and still just live off in the barracks, getting, you know, um, you know, going to the DFAC and eating lunch and all that stuff. So I didn't have to worry about me. It was more about providing for her and helping her. I just wanted a better life for her. So uh, during the time frame of me being in the military, like I, I was still living that lifestyle, man. I never got away from it. I was still doing drugs. I was still doing alcohol. I was um, engaged to be married at one point in time, man. And uh, my fiance, she cheated on me and got pregnant by somebody else. And this was my first three years in the army. All this happened to me. I got Article 15. I got busted down in rank. I was just going through a whirlwind, man. I just spiraled down. Um, you know, when you're going through a lot, man, like you got, you know, you ever heard of uh, ever childhood experiences, ACEs, right? So uh, ACEs, that's what I was experiencing from my childhood. And, you know, the Army tear you down to build you back up. But a lot of times all they're doing is adding on extra trauma or drama to what you already have. So you're never getting out of this cycle that you already been in. So for me, it was just one thing after another. And I just suppressed all my emotions. I never released any of it, man. So I was just like a, a, a soda. As soon as you shake it up and you start to take that top off, it explodes. And I had that point where I went down that, man. So uh, after about the first eight years of my military career, I considered myself to be a follower that transitioned into a manager. And uh, I was, it wasn't until my third deployment to Iraq that I realized the obligation that had been bestowed upon me as a leader. And as we're getting ready to board the plane, and we get that last hour to spend with our families. One of my soldiers introduced me to his family, his wife, his kids, his mother, and his father. And as we're standing there talking, and he's saying all these great things about me, his mother pulls me to the side. And she says, please take care of my son and to bring him back home safe. Now, you know how hard it is to provide that obligation to someone to tell them, like, yes, I will bring your child home. We're going to combat. We're going to war. And you want me to sit here and tell you, like, honestly, that I can provide you with this. But, of course, I wanted to give her that reassurance. And when that happened, I said, man, this woman is really giving me her child. She is giving me full responsibility of somebody that she gave birth to. And that's, you know, when somebody do that, they're giving full responsibility of, of somebody that they raised their whole entire life, at least 18 years of their life to you, giving you full responsibility. Now, I just told you about my background. Now, this woman don't know me from a can of paint, but she entrusted me. You know what I'm saying? So, but for somebody that had that trust in me, yeah, that confidence in me, it just lit a fire in me that continues to burn to this day. So it gave me a, a sense of self-worth. You know, it gave me a sense of purpose. So we went down to this deployment. We got extended from 12 months to 15 months. But during the time frame of this deployment, Nobody knew that I was going through an acrimonious divorce. Nobody knew what I was experiencing during the time frame of being in combat and then in combat dealing with my relationship. Nobody knew that experience. The hardships I was going through in order to wake up every day and continue to face the battles that I was dealing with, not only in Iraq, but dealing with my personal life as well. It was very challenging. It was very emotional. I didn't know how to handle it. When I came back home, it was hard to decipher between possibility and probability.
because you never know what's going on. You, you got to think you're in combat. When you're in combat, your life is on the line 24-7, seven days a week. Seven days a week. Every morning that you wake up, you could possibly lose your life. You never know the time or the day. But guess what? When you come back home, now everybody expects you to just go back to the regular person that you were. You know how long it takes to pick up a habit? It don't take long at all. Now, you think you over here for a whole year and you think it takes only roughly about 90 days to pick up a habit. So you, you, you tell me how I'm supposed to decipher between possibility and probability. So when it came down to just, you know, uh, dealing with a lot of that stuff from uh, my return from, from uh, combat and then just going through the motions of the divorce, because I came back home to nothing. The house was empty, bank account empty, car gone. You know what I'm saying? I came literally to nothing so i waved the white flag man i was ready to end my own life i was ready to call it quits i didn't have no more into me i i had nothing else into me i was completely dry but the only thing that like really gave me a little a sense of life was the fact that uh during the time frame of that relationship i had a child and that was you know i said if i take my life then my child grow up the same way i did without a father. And I was like, I can't do that. I got to figure out some way. I got to dig deep. I got to find my inner warrior and I got to be the best person I can for this individual. So that was the pivotal moment for me. That's when everything shifted. And when that happened, my, my focus totally changed. I started focusing on me until the focus was on me. And that's what kind of led me into the direction of everything that I do right now to be able to help people to uh, that's traveled down this road of darkness to be a light wherever they see uh, they don't see a sense of hope to give them solution to the problem that they deal with and provide them a path to victory. So that's a little bit about my story right now. Now, I got a whole bunch of things that I've dealt with as far as adversity and what I consider to be combat. But I just wanted to give you the meat and potatoes before we carry on further dealing with everything else. Well, the meat and potatoes are basically the appetizer, but this plate is huge. I mean, there's a lot on this thing. And look, I'm Irish as hell, so I really enjoy meat and potatoes. Um, man, I, uh, I I find it so interesting to talk to people like yourself that have gone through a lot of tough shit and find that thing that keeps them around. It was your your kid. You're like, well, I can just kill myself. Oh, shit, they're here. I can't do that. So now what? And it's, it's interesting to me how life, we can look at it as God, the universe, whatever you want. I think there are things that'll pop up to show you, here's an alternate way to go about things, uh, a reason for you not to do that. And I find it interesting that you had gone through so much shit that at some point you were just so beaten and so dry, as you put it, that it, it just feels like there's nothing else to do. And many people go through that, but it looks vastly different. But at the core of it, and you know this, it's all basically the same shit because it all stems from, at least in my opinion, it stems from childhood trauma, all of it. So when you think about the shit that you went through as a kid and how casually you're like, yeah, we just fucking hung out in the car for 12 hours. And then when she came back, we went on with life. To some people, they would be like, you did what? For how long? In a vehicle? Like what? And there are probably other people that are like, fuck, at least you had a car. 
So it's not a matter of being able to kind of level this out or say what you went through was worse, but it's how you went through and handled it. Now, what did your relationship look like with your sibling? And did your sibling kind of go a different direction? Because I've seen that happen before too, where people will be part of a situation or they're told a story and they'll take two different directions. Like one is hyper afraid. The other is like, well, fuck, I've got things to live for. So what does that relationship look like and how did they turn out? So absolutely. So my older brother, uh, who is a, a phenomenal person, by the way, he is what I consider my my example of a father. Right. You know, uh, my surrogate father by, by far, because he took on the responsibility at su such a young age. He only seven years older than me. And so he took on the responsibility at such a young age and never looked back when it came down to trying to be that protector and provider for me. Now, for him in, in that manner. Um, he dealt with a lot of hardship as well. He got locked up multiple times, uh, tried to join the military, but got kicked out, um, went through the motions of uh, drugs. That's kind of how I got into the, the ramp of uh, selling drugs was by seeing him because, you know, you follow examples. Hey, that's big bro. He doing it. I'm going to do it too tight. Uh, so uh, as far as him doing a lot of those things, man, like he was in and out of jail for a long period of time. But um, I think as he got older, roughly about in his 30s, man, everything changed. So, like, um, he did a total pivot, too. Uh, he went to college. He graduated from the University of Georgia with his master's degree. Uh, not only that, but he working at a, as, at a, a, a operations plant. He's the operations manager over there. He's in charge of multiple people. Uh, he got a wife, nice house. Like, he totally pivot. But, like, when we was growing up, man, we just didn't have no direction. We didn't know which way to go, and the streets was calling. It was just like we all we knew was survival, and we knew we could get it right now by doing certain things. And the certain things that we wanted to do or that we had in front of us was selling drugs, being a quick runner, breaking into people's homes, things like that. So we didn't know no other way, man. We was just trying to make our way and survive. That's it. So there <laughs> i i do find it funny that some people don't actually go through seasons like that as a kid like there were some people that weren't actually shitty kids cuz i kind of joke about it like we were basically all fucking shithead at some point and there are certain people that are like no it was great i got straight a's i hung out blah 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 and then at some point they fucking snap like late 20s early 30s they're like i need to rage and they go fucking crazy um but i do think that we learn a lot like i i've been through some Similar things in some ways without divulging and kind of going deep on that sort of stuff where you go through some shit in high school, but I think you also take some lessons from those, or at least you can. Certain people will take lessons and uh, they just continue to be shitty, you know? They continue to do terrible things and make terrible decisions. It's almost like those super hackers of the world that are incredible at what they do, but they're doing it in a dark way instead of moving it into the light. So when you think about the shit that you went through, being in the car and having to stay there and then getting into drugs and selling drugs and like all the other bullshit that came along with it, to look at that stuff back then, what do you feel you learned from that that you actually use right now? Uh, I felt like uh, what I learned from it was the drive, the determination, the resilience. I, I learned, uh, you know, the tenacity, the grit. Uh, because you had to get out there and get it. It wasn't no other way around it. The hustle, man, was so uh, so needed in that aspect because 
You couldn't let nobody take advantage of you. You couldn't be vulnerable behind any situation that you experienced. When you encountered people, when you was doing any kind of exchange, you had to have a straight face the whole time. And you got to think, I was just a young kid. So when you think about that and you're approaching like a grown man or, or somebody that's cracked out and, you know, automatically they're going to try to take advantage of you just period because they see you as an adolescent. They don't see you as the dealer that you are. So when you're approaching these individuals and you're going up to them, you got to be stern the whole time. So I transitioned all those things that I experienced from being in the streets and survival during my time in the military. Did it help me? Heck yeah, it helped me. It helped me a, a, a long way. Like uh, in everything that I did, I was able to cut the light switch on and cut the light switch off. Uh, but I still think that over time, while being in the military, I really became an adult. I grew up. I matured. I figured out like um, what it took in order to be able to have a sense of empathy, not sympathy. Well, you had also mentioned that uh, the military just in general, seems to keep adding trauma to you. And I've never been through military, anything like that. In fact, I remember they kind of hounded me in high school. And I was a punk skater kid with piercings all in my face, blue hair and shit. And I remember my mom being like, you fucking want him? You're nuts. Get out of here. And like hanging up on them. Um, but I, I know that I've, I have friends that have gotten out of the military, friends that are still in, you know, that I graduated no two. Like they're far in at this point and they're doing great things, but it seems like they haven't, not all of them have really processed through the stuff. And then there are others that I talk to that have specifically had to make themselves aware of the shit that they've got going on and work on processing that. So what sort of work have you done since then? And what sort of advice would you give to others that are actively in the military now that are going through that or people that just got out and trying to figure out how the fuck do I be a civilian again? Absolutely. That, that was the most challenging part for me as far as transitioning. Like I said before, as far as developing the habit, I had been in the military 21 years and then to go from 21 years of service to starting over as a civilian. Like I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up type. That's how I felt. I felt like a 40 year old man that didn't know what he wanted to be when he grew up. You know how when you were young and when you graduate high school, you be like, man, I wonder what I'm going to be when I grow up. That type of stuff, man. Like things you tell yourself. And, and like when you was in elementary school, I was saying that as a grown man, a husband with four kids. Like it's it's like when you think about that, it's like it's too late, man. Like you were supposed to be I already had this figured out. <laughs> like life kept going, you know. So I never had an opportunity to find myself. I was a great husband. I was a great soldier. I was a great father. But who was I for myself? That's the question everybody needs to ask themselves. Who are you for yourself? And when you ask yourself that question, take a moment to really uh, recognize, reflect and release and recognize who you are as the individual and person that you want to become. Recon I mean, release. All the things that you experienced while you were in the army, because it's no good for you no more. If you're in the military, some of those things are beneficial, but all as far as the, the documents and the paperwork, the only thing you need to worry about is that DD-214. Everything else, the awards, they don't mean crap. All those things, the shiny things that you had on your chest, I was airborne, aerosol, it don't mean nothing. Don't nobody ask me about any of those things while I'm out here. They might be, uh, 
you know, fun for jokes. But overall, they don't ask me that whenever I'm filling out an application. It's don't they were like, oh, are you aerosol qualified? No. Are you ranger qualified? No. You know, they don't care about that. All they care about you is you performing to the next level and being able to succeed as far as whatever they give you. And you got that already. But overall, I would tell them, figure out who they are for themselves. Make sure you do that. Find you a mentor. You got to find you somebody that's been there, done that, got the T-shirt for it. Because those are valuable people. You want to make sure you invest the time in people who go pour into you. And then also, you got to figure out what you really want to do next. And I say that because nobody really knows what they want to do next, man. Like, I didn't have any type of uh, thoughts in my mind of becoming an author, a speaker, a mental health advocate, or any of these things. I had me a job working at Amazon as an operations manager. That was the next move for me. Pandemic hit, everything shut down. Oh, man, it's time to shift. Got to make a pivot. So what am I going to do? I had to take an opportunity to reflect, recognize, and release. I had to recognize, man, like, hey, ain't no telling when this stuff go let up, so you got to figure out the next move. You know what I'm saying? I had to release all the things that I had thought that was going to fall in my favor. All the bad habits that I had picked up, I had to let them go. You have to take the opportunity to focus on you because once you focus on you, the focus is on you. You have to be present in the moment of everything that's transpiring in your life. If you don't, you'll fall to the wayside and you'll lose sight of everything that you got going on in front of you. It's got to be a difficult thing for people to be able to figure out who they are as they go through situations. It's hard, man. It is hard. It is so challenging. And dude, you're not alone. I mean, so many people I talk to that are in their 30s or 40s, that kind of joke where they're like, oh, fuck, I wonder what I'm going to be when I get older, because they're still kind of working through things. I, I find it interesting now. I, I turned 38 a couple months ago, and I remember being in high school. I remember being a 14, 15-year-old and thinking, God, 38, holy shit, do they walk with canes? Like, how, how do they fucking get around, you know? Like, those people are old. And that's not the case, like, at all. Uh, and I, I look at how we as people can continuously evolve if we allow ourselves to. There are certain people, and I think some of this is also old hat, like the traditional way of thinking where it's like you go to school, you go to college, you get a piece of paper that allows you into a corporate office or a factory, and that's where you fucking live forever. And that's just not how things work at this point. Yeah, so... I, I think that's a smart way to go about it where you're like, fuck, well, what do I want to do now? Because there are certain people that are 20 years into a, a career and they're like, I can't get out of this because this is my identity. So even with your military, how did you unravel yourself from the identity of that and not allow it to just kind of take over? Man, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a hundred percent honest with you, man. I had went through a, a depression. I went through a, a, a dark road of depression, man. Like I literally, uh, so check it out. So when uh, I retired and I was transitioning in 2019, my retirement date was 2020. March 2020, I retired from the military. What happened in March 2020? The pandemic happened. So, so now, uh, although that I retired from the military, uh, it was half a paycheck. I got a wife and four kids. So my financial stability is, you know, cut short, you know what I'm saying? Like my wife, my wife, she got laid off from her job. They cut back her hours and then they let her go. So it was just 
like the, all we was receiving was uh, my retirement check. My disability hasn't kicked in yet from uh, VA. So this is all that we was living on. So you can think how my mind is, the anxiety, the depression kicked in. I was like, man, how am I supposed to provide for my family? I'm figuring out, man, I remember eating peanut butter jelly sandwiches and ramen noodles for months. For months, man. I'm talking about doing whatever it took, man. I was out here selling. Uh, I, I resorted back to my childhood. That's what I did. I'll be honest with you. I was looking at things inside my house, and I was seeing what I could sell in order to be able to provide for my family. And that's what I did, man. Like, I honestly did that because I didn't feel like I was being the protector and the provider that I needed to be. It was hard for me just traveling down that road, man. And I was in a sunken place. It was hard for me to get out of there, man. And I was like, man, I said, man, you got to snap out of this, man. You really got to snap out of this. And the thing about it was, man, like uh, once you have a level of self-awareness, once you realize and pick up on the things that you find yourself in, man, you can declare and decree all that stuff. You can get rid of all those things, man, that you're dealing with. It starts with your mindset first. And some people just run on autopilot and they just left their subconscious mind just take over. Woe is me. Have those pity parties. You got to stop that, man. You got to throw that junk out. You got to be conscious and aware and present behind everything that you're going. Once you have that level of self-awareness, self-awareness is key, man, because I promise you, once I started finding myself just going deeper and deeper in that hole, it was like, man, what are you doing right now? The little man on the shoulder like, man, what are you doing right now? Do you not understand what we got going on? Like, you're better than this, man. You're a conqueror. You're a warrior, man. Like, how are you going to fall short to this? You got to continuously tell yourself all the things that you've been through, that if you did it before, you can do it again. Like, what are we doing? right? Why are we sitting here? We're stagnant. Are you going to fall down or are you going to get up? You can fall down several times, but you got to get back up. Hey, you can take a knee if you want to, but guess what? You got to get back up. You got to keep moving forward. You got to cross that finish line. And the only way you do that, if you change your mindset, man, so that's what I did. I changed my mindset, started journaling just to get myself back on track to who I was. And when I started journaling, that's when I wrote the book. <laughs> that's when I wrote the book. Somebody was like, man, you know, so it was just like one thing into the next. Did a couple of podcasts. Somebody was like, man, hey, have you ever thought about being a speaker? I'm like, no, nah, I never thought about it. So it just fell in line, man. So it was just one thing after another. So, you know, once you start going through that stuff, the confidence build up, the momentum builds up, all these things that you need in order to get you in the right mind frame happens. And that's exactly what happened, man. Like you really have to uh, develop that level of self-awareness. Oh, God, big time. You know, that kind of obvious for me to say i agree as the host of the mindset and self-mastery show pretty fucking obvious uh, but i'm right there with you about self-awareness and i i'm sitting here kind of smirking and chuckling because you're right like once you see things you can't unfucking see them you just continue to be aware but i also like to play devil's advocate for that one person or several people in that are listening to the episodes that go yeah i fucking get it but I have a hard time seeing that. And you started to dive right into that, where it's the journaling or taking some sort of step. So I want us to dive into this a little bit because for me, at least, I think it's that step after that step after the next step. But when you just sit there and bitch and complain and go, I don't know, I don't know, you're literally telling your computer, I need a file, but I have no idea where the fuck it is. And I don't know. And the computer's like, well, neither do we. What the fuck do you want? So... 
how did you get to that point? And can you remember the moment where you were like, wait a minute, I need to do something different and what that process looked like? Yeah. If you want to see different, you got to do different. Plain and simple, man. You, what you tune into, you turn into. If you sit here and you focus on the negative, everything around you will be negative. Plain and simple. But when you focus on the positive, you have to eliminate the things that distract you. You have to eliminate the things that are holding you back. If you have to change your environment, you change your requirement, man. In order to accelerate, you have to separate. And that's exactly what I did. I separated myself from many things. Remember I told you I was on the drugs and alcohol. Remember I, I reduced all that. Remember I told you that I was um, going through a moment where I felt like I was dealing with a lot of adverse childhood experiences. I worked through those things. I seek behavioral health. I started talking to people. I started releasing all the things that I was going through. Instead of manning up, I started opening up. Once I started to do these things, I started to notice a change up here behind my behavior, my acts. I was starting to be more compassionate. I was starting to be more uh, empathetic when it came to how I treated people, how I interacted with people. Not only that, man, but I also, you know, uh, developed a strong level of faith. When I started going down these roads and dealing with a lot of these things that I was going through, man, like I started just feeding my mind all positive things. And what you put in your garden, what you feed your garden, man, will grow. I don't care what it is. When you sit here, if you watch a... Uh, an action movie where they're killing multiple people, man. It's going to be right there sitting in your subconscious mind when you go to sleep. But guess what? If you listen to or watch something positive, like five minutes before I go to bed every night, I digress from everything that I experience, and I feed my subconscious mind positive things. You know, I read the I am statement. I also, you know, just look at funny videos. I also, you know, go through the motions of telling my kids or my wife I love them, you know, just getting that uh, that action back, you know, saying that affirmation back because they're going to tell you right back in return. I love you, too, Dad, or I'm proud of you or something, you know, just having an attitude of gratitude, man, just being grateful behind the things that you receive, because this decrease, uh, this decrease uh, what it is, it increases your happiness, just having an attitude of gratitude increases your happiness by 10% and it decreases uh, depression sales by 10%. I mean, like it's, you can't go wrong, man. Like you really have to invest in yourself, man. Like the biggest investment you'll ever make is in yourself. And if you won't take the opportunity to separate in order to elevate from the things that are not beneficial to you, you're doing yourself an injustice, man. You're, you're, you're right where you're supposed to be at. So if you feel like you can't do anything, it's because you can't. There's a famous quote by Henry Ford that says, if you say you can, you can. If you say you can't, you can't. Neither one of you are wrong. Neither one of you are wrong. So it's all on you. Remember what I said? The words, the things that you feed your brain are just as important as what you feed your body. What are you telling yourself? Or is it, smart, uh, or is it encouraging words? Something that's going to put you in the right pedestal, man. Just get you on to the next level. Man, I'm telling you. I, I, I got I to gotta be like honest with you, man. Like that's what pissed me off. That's that's what get me fired up. That's what get me fired up, man. When people sit here and say that they can't do this or they can't do that or they blame society or the whole world. Life is 10 percent what happens to you and 90 percent what you do about it, what you do about it. Nobody else. Man, I've had a lot of conversations with people, not only on the podcast, but clients, friends, 
people that are part of the powerhouse men brotherhood, like we get into this sort of stuff where I think, I think it really boils down to fear because I've thought about it. Like what the fuck is the thing that holds people back from the next little step? Cause I get it. If you're like, Oh, well I've got to climb this entire giant mountain. Like, yeah, that's kind of a beast of a task. But if you go, no, my ass just needs to get the fuck up and start walking in one direction. The mountain's over there. I'll get to it. But just start moving and taking those little bits and pieces and those little steps. So what sort of advice would you give to somebody that's on their path towards self-mastery? Oh, man. Like, hey, don't turn back, man. Whatever it is, you're going to fail. You got to accept failure. Failure is the key to success. You know what I'm saying? Failure is the key to success because it's not failing if you keep going. It's only failing when you give up. And the guarantee behind giving up is that it will never happen. Whatever it is that you want to achieve, it will never happen. I don't care what you got going on. If you give up, it will never happen. If you are on that path to self-mastery, you really have to dive in deep into investing in yourself, figuring out, you know, working out. I love working out, man. Like invest 30 minutes a day in yourself. Read books. If you don't like to read, listen to audibles. They out there. People will read to you. You know what I'm saying? And then YouTube University, man. I know YouTube University to made more millionaires than any actual university that's out there. Everything that I learned as far as writing my book, I learned it off YouTube. I didn't go by no coach or anything like that. I didn't go to no class. YouTube University, man, if you want to know how to do anything positive in your life, if you want to go to the next level, if you want to start a business, if you want to start a podcast, go to YouTube. It's free. Everything that I'm telling you right now is free. The biggest investment that you'll ever make is in yourself. If you invest in yourself, you'll make a fortune. Yeah, it's taking those little steps, man. That's good shit, man. I appreciate you being on. I appreciate you get into everything you've gotten into. Hey, before we wrap this thing up, where can people find you and where can they connect with you? And of course, where can they get the book? Uh, absolutely. So you can go to my website at SylvesterJenkins.com. And uh, also, when you go on there, you'll see uh, a lot of things that I do uh, dealing with as far as uh, providing people with help, as far as dealing with uh, them rising to the top and going to the next level, man. Like, it's all about that. Like, all my social media handles are Sylvester Jenkins the third. That's it. Once you type that in, Sylvester Jenkins, you can find me, whether it's Instagram, whether it's Facebook, whether it's LinkedIn, like you will find me, man. So I have four books out, self-published all by myself. Uh, the major book that I want to talk about is uh, From Combat to Combat, How to Conquer the Battles of Adversity. And when I'm talking about the battles of adversity, I'm talking about like six battles of adversity that we deal with. Financial, spiritual, emotional, mental physical hey all the ones that we go through we deal with that on a day-to-day -day basis but not only that i'm taking you down the journey of my life and some of it i just spoke of right now i'm giving you a glimpse of my life and what i face dealing with these six types of adversity not only but uh but not only do i teach you how to survive but i teach you how to thrive i give you strategies and techniques and this is also on audible so like i said before if you're not a reader you can listen I want to be the one in your ear telling you that you can do this, that you're a conqueror, that you are a warrior, and that you can overcome anything that you're dealing with right now. 
that you you were created on purpose for a purpose with a purpose. And if you don't believe that, man, the best way you're going to do it is going from combat to combat. You're a combat warrior, and I want to show you how to do it. So you can find this book on Amazon, Spotify, uh, Amazon, Audible, uh, Google, Kobo. Uh, it's not in Barnes and Nobles yet, but we're getting there. But trust me, when the time comes, you need this book in your life. You need this book in your life. Plain and simple. That's all I got to say about that. Well, I don't want him to break his mic, so I'm not going to tell him to drop it, but he basically did. So thank you, Sylvester. Appreciate you being on the show, my friend. It was wonderful to connect with you and have this conversation. I'm excited to be able to connect again, and thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time, Nick. I wish you much continued success, brother. Another great conversation on today's episode of the Mindset and Self-Mastery Show. So, what did you think of the show today? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Check out the Instagram or Facebook page to join the conversation. If you enjoyed the episode, please jump over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and leave a five-star review. It helps us be found and helps others be healed. If this episode opened your eyes, made you think, or smile at all, then I'm sure it'll do the same for your friends. Check out the show notes for more info from today's episode and check out other episodes on themindsetandselfmasteryshow.com as well as our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and look up The Mindset and Self Mastery Show. Thanks again to our incredible guests for being real, honest, and vulnerable with us today. I'd like to thank our sponsors. And most importantly, I'd like to thank you. Thank you for hanging out with us today. Your support means the world to us. And with that, remember, your mindset matters, and so do you.